Hey, we're back. This is Joe and TJ from the Schoolhouse 302, and you're listening to our Focus Ed podcast. Focus Ed is your educational leadership podcast. In every episode, it's our mission to focus on one aspect of teaching and leading in school so that you can make progress in your district, school, or classroom with even more knowledge, better understanding, and a clear direction on what to do next for your students and staff. In each show, we ask an expert guest to join us and we dissect their work and tons of other information about leading better and growing faster in schools. We're only doing 14 episodes per school year and we hope you'll listen to all 14. The guest list is incredible. Don't miss a single show and do us a favor. Please like, share, and follow Focus Ed on SoundCloud, iTunes, and our website, theschoolhouse302.com. And now for another episode of Focus Ed. Welcome to another episode of Focus Ed, where we invite expert guests to join us. In this episode, we have Joe Sanfilippo, and we are thrilled. Joe, welcome to the show. Well, uh, first of all, let's get past the expert part. Like, you may want to go. You still have time, guys. If you want to get out and grab somebody else real quick, like, I'm sure there are more experts listening to the call than the bald guy from Wisconsin. Let's be real clear about that. But It helps when uh, we put that, though. True or not, it helps when we throw that in the intro. Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know. If, I got to tell you, I don't know if it helps or not. I'm setting the bar pretty high. I, you know, this is like, uh, I, I feel like I'm like the guy that when, when the teacher used to roll in the big TV and you know, like, you know, the big TV and everybody's excited about the movie, and then you realize it's the puberty video and you don't want to be there anymore. That's kind of what this is right now. So let's not set the bar higher than what we, sh- what it should be. Let's be real clear about that. All right. Well, we'll temper it a little bit. Um, Thank you. With, with that said though, Today is about school leadership. It's about growing leaders and really the potential to grow leaders in your community. That's what we're going to be discussing with Joe Sanfilippo. We're thrilled to do so. TJ? Sure thing, Joe. Thanks for that. Dr. Joe Sanfilippo is the superintendent of the Fall Creek School District in Fall Creek, Wisconsin. The Fall Creek School District was named an innovative district in 2016 and 2017 by the International Center for leadership in education. Joe holds a BA in elementary and early childhood education from St. Norman College and an MS in educational psychology from University of Wisconsin, Milwaukee, an MS in educational leadership and a PhD in leadership learning and service from Cardinal Stritch University. Joe's also an adjunct professor in the educational leadership department at Viterbo University. He has taught kindergarten, second grade and fifth grade and was a school counselor and high school coach prior to taking on an elementary principal position in 2005. He has served as a principal in suburban and rural Wisconsin. Joe started the hashtag one minute walk to work leadership challenge, which we love and has co-authored the power of branding, telling your school story, principal professional development, leading learning in a digital age, hacking leadership, 10 ways great leaders inspire learning that teachers, students, and parents love, and his new book, Lead From Where You Are, Building Intention, Connection, and Direction in Our Schools, which we're going to talk about here in a minute. He was selected as one of 117 future-ready superintendents in 2014 and one of 50 superintendents as a 
a personalized learning leader in 2016 by the U.S. Department of Education. He attended summits at the White House for both distinctions. Education Dive named Joe one of five K-12 administrators to watch in 2018 and their national superintendent of the year in 2019. He has been feature, a featured speaker in multiple states in areas of advancing the use of social media for school leaders, telling your school story, creating a culture of yes, and personalized professional growth for staff. And I have the honor of saying this, go crickets. Go crickets, man. Always go crickets. You always starting in there. So but I appreciate Steve, the opportunity, guys. You read all that, Joe, and we go back to the concept of, of experts. So let's jump into this conversation today. <laughs> I'd love to. Yeah, well, that's it. It took me like a year to write that bio. So that's fantastic. That's really, I just made up a bunch of stuff too. That's kind of, it's good. I'm kidding. <laughs> all right. So lead from where you are, your new book. What are you seeing out there in your travels that made you write this book? And what do you want readers to take from it? Well, so I, I wrote the book for a couple of reasons. And one is super selfish. And I want to be, I probably should say that one first. And I think that the thing about the book for me was that, you know, I, I'm going to be gone someday. And I just want my kids and my grandkids and their kids and grandkids to have something to look at and say, oh, this is kind of what he was about if I never get a chance to, to, to see those people. So for me, it was almost like a legacy thing to just have out there some of the things that I think about when it comes to how we should lead and what that really looks like. And so that was the selfish piece of it because I just kind of want to have something that my kids – actually, I want immediately to have something that my kids were really proud of, to be really honest, so they could uh, – so that was pretty cool. But anyway, the second piece was that – a lot of us are trying to lead in isolation. And a lot of times when you get into schools, it you're the only person in your particular school with that particular job title. And what ends up happening is that becomes really isolating. Then it becomes really lonely and then it becomes really depressing. And then you start wondering whether or not the work that you do has value. And I can tell you that you have value as a leader in your building. I can tell you that, but it's not about the bald guy from Wisconsin telling you that you have value. It's about making sure that you know yours and that the person next to you knows theirs. And if we can't do that in our buildings because we're isolated, then we figure that it just, it, you wonder why you do what you do. So the big push for the book, and the book actually has been sitting around for like three years, to be really honest, because I don't love to write. But I started doing these one-minute walk-to-work challenges and all we did was just really dive deeper into the ones that people that resonated with people the most. So it was more fun to write once I realized that that's the purpose as opposed to just getting some thoughts out there. So that was kind of fun. And I feel, I feel, I feel really good about the book. I really do. I feel good. Like it, it's hitting home with people and I feel like the stories are relevant and it's not about me telling people about my stories. It's about them connecting the story that I tell to theirs. Cause I think everybody's got, you know, an Ali San Filippo in the world that just is crazy cool. But at the same time, she runs real hot, you know what I mean? Or you've had a situation with your family where you get so immersed in the school and you get so immersed in the, in the work that you take that home to you and the people that you care about the most, that love you the most, that give you the most latitude, get the least of you. And so how can we combat a lot of that stuff? So I think that I just saw too many people in isolation asking the same questions over and over again. So how can we figure out a way to kind of help them out in that regard? So Joe, I'm going to go back to something you just mentioned, because I don't want the audience to 
overlook, even though you mentioned it very quick. You said during your, your walks and then posting that you looked at what resonated with people. And yeah. can you just talk about that? Because I could see not everybody's going to have a one minute walk. I get that. Right. However, it is about sharing thoughts, sharing ideas, and then listening for feedback and how leaders can do that in their own building and then have targeted approaches to working with them based on that feedback. Can you just share a little more about that? Because it was quickly said, but I do think it's a very creative way of learning what people are, are feeling, thinking, and what they are, might be experiencing. Yeah, so I think the biggest thing was that if you get too locked into what you think about stuff, you're really missing out on the opportunity to build capacity to lead. So all of that, all of the walks, you know, all the walks are challenges for people just to think about how they do, how they do, how they lead a little bit differently, right? But for the most part, some resonate more with others than others because there's like a personal connection to from the story to process. And so I just took a look at which ones were the most popular, which ones had the most feedback in terms of comments and everything that goes along with it, how often they were shared, not as many views as much as how, how often was it, because people can view it and not like it, right? But how often was it shared on multiple platforms? Because if you're willing to share it, if you're willing to share that, that video or that perspective, then your name is now attached to it. So if you're willing to share it, that's the feedback that I was looking for, because I wanted people to know that if, if they're willing to say you, somebody else should take a look at this, then I think it was worth to really dive a little bit deeper into. So we, we took a look at it from that perspective. And, and I, ironically, 90% of the, of the walks that, that resonate the most with people outside of Fall Creek, Wisconsin, were the ones that resonated with me the most, too which was really interesting because, you know, I, you, you just kind of dive deep into some of them. Now the 10%, there's sometimes you're like, it's probably actually closer to 80, 20. Now that I think about it, because 20% of those walks, I was like, well, that just doesn't seem like it like connects with people. Like that just seems almost like common sense, right? Because you just do it. It's just what you do. And you don't even think about it. You just do it. But we have to remember that people are just starting out in leadership. And if I'm on year, whatever this is, my goodness, there's 2005. So what is that? Like 17 years. So in that, in those 17 years, you get to find, you know, ways that to do things and not to do things. And if I didn't have that um, platform, I didn't have that opportunity in 2005. So we're just trying to give that opportunity to people that have not had it in the past. So they don't make the same mistakes that I made. And i you know, I just want to make sure that we help them because I, if I would have known, I mean, I was just, there were so many things that I wish I would have done differently. And I almost feel bad for the first three years of, of a small elementary school in Eau Claire, Wisconsin, because I just didn't know what I didn't know. And I almost feel like I owe them something at this point because I wasn't great at all. I just wasn't. So you got to figure out, you learn and grow and at the same time, try to continue to cultivate the relationships that allow you to learn and grow and get that feedback. Joe, I, I, I can't help but comment that, that it's a call to action for early mm -hmm. supports for new leaders. Something that yeah. I think we're working on in the country, but 
we can't have new principals get into the position and be in isolation, not have a mentor, not have, and make those mistakes. You're, you're right that it, it's almost not fair to the school communities that we do that in, in this business, but it happens all over the place where we, we hire new leaders and we expect them to just go and right. have a lot, they make right. a lot of mistakes in those first few years. Well, think about this, TJ. Think about the idea that, I mean, how many, how often did you have a class in college that taught you how to run a staff meeting? How often did you have a class in college that taught to you about like, you know, just how to, how to, you know, cultivate opportunities for other people. You, you talked about the budget. You talked about the law. You talked about educational leadership as a whole. But did you talk about like the logistics of being able to lead? And people were people get into leadership because and I mentioned it in the book because they were called to lead, right? They were, they had this calling internally to lead. Someone called them to lead and said that you're you would be a fantastic leader. You know, this might be an opportunity for you. Or there was a lack of leadership and you filled in the gaps because you felt like there was a need. So if you were called internally, if you were called by someone, or if, if, you were, if there was a gap that you had to fill, those are those, some of the major re, main reasons that people get into this work. But none of that talks about how to run a staff meeting or how to greet people in a way that makes them feel like they're valued or how to have a tough conversation with someone when you either have to let them go or put them on a plan of improvement or make sure that they're getting better or have a hard conversation with a parent or a kid that you're going to have to expel or move somewhere else or whatever the case may be. Like, how do you make people feel valued in a time that there, that there's so many things going on that would indicate that they don't know or understand if you, if you value them because of the content and the context of what you're in. It's really, really true. And it's a nice little segue into something else that you talk about. We love your candor about the highs and lows of leadership in schools. Is that what you mean, what you just described there? You don't know what you don't know and you fail at it, or is it more than that? Well, I think the highs and the lows of leaderships in schools, it really kind of comes down to, are you able to balance what those things really look like? Because there are, but you'll go through these emotional highs and lows on a daily basis. But if you make decisions when you're only at that high point or only at that low point, you're going to make decisions that aren't at the core of who you are because you're so emotionally invested in what the context of that situation is. So how do you make sure that you can stay, that you can keep some balance in terms of what you do? Think about it. Think about how, how often we keep, when we keep balance, if we're not intentional about the work that we do, it's really hard to maintain balance. So how, in, how intentional are you about the work to make sure that you put yourself in the right mindset to see the things that you want to see when you get to work, when you're, when you're invested in, in the process. I mean, think about it. How many, how often do you, how often do people do things in their world that they don't even think about, right? They just do them, right? Like, like right now, TJ, Joe, raise your hand as high as you can right now. Raise your hand as high as you can. Great. Now raise it a little higher. Like what's that all about? Right? Seriously. Right? Like you do it because you don't even think about it, but then you can raise it higher because honestly, this happens to us all the time. We do things without even thinking about them. So what are we doing to put ourselves in the right mindset to make sure that we can be intentional about that moment in the space? So we talk to our group a lot in schools when we try to maintain balance and make sure the highs and lows are in a spot where we can make the right decisions. We talk to our group about what are we doing to make sure we put ourselves in the right mindset to run the school, to maintain the classroom, to be in the right spot, to be with the right mindset. What are you doing? What are the first 10 things that you do when you get to school? 
And do those things bring you any joy to, that allow you to put yourself in the right spot to recognize great things that happen around you? We talked to our group about recognizing, acknowledging, extending. If you don't put yourself in the right mindset to recognize the greatness that happens in schools, you won't, right? Once you recognize it, are you able to acknowledge to the person or people that they're doing great things? And then finally, are you willing to extend the conversation to somebody who wasn't there to make sure that they know that the great things are happening? And if we live by that, then the highs and the lows aren't as high and aren't as low, and we can make you know, really good decisions about how we want to run school because we've put ourselves in the right mindset to do so, as opposed to thinking about all the other factors that come into play that impact the decision and the things that we can't control. So what can we do? It's like in Wisconsin, just like in Delaware. What in the month of February, you are or January and February, think about how people walk into buildings. Right? How do they walk into buildings? You walk into a building and all you want to do is get in the building because it's 10 below zero and your face is frozen and your eye, the tears from your eyes are now frozen to your face, right? And all you want to do is get in the building, okay? And, and you're, you're in a mood, good or bad, good because you either got in or bad because of all the weather. And now you're going to make a decision on that mood, right? Like all these things that you can't control impact your mindset of what you can. So think about being intentional about what that looks like that gives you an opportunity to make the best decision for the people that you serve. And Joe, there's no doubt the importance of leaders regulating their emotions, regulating their feelings. And all of this is done to make sure that students are successful. So all of this conversation, everything we're talking about is for leaders to be their best so students can be their best. If we shift gears a little bit right now, if you were going to improve the student experience in every school, what would you want to see done? Well, that's a great, that's a great question. And I know it's always about students and it always will be about students, but if we don't prepare the adults to take care of the students, then what are we really doing? So if I had a better student experience, it would start with making sure that students have ownership of what that learning process really looks like for them. How do you do that? Well, if you go tell your staff that you need them to make sure that students own the learning more, they're going to say, well, they do. Well, they do. They this, they that, whatever the case may be, right? But we don't, if, if they don't have context as to what that looks like, then it's really difficult for them to wrap their arms around what, they're, what, what you're asking them to do. So we start, if, if we want the student experience to be one of ownership, what are we doing for the adults in that space to have equal ownership as well? Like, how are we allowing them to own their own learning? Because what inevitably happens, if, if you allow the adults in the space to own their learning and have a say in what happens, what inevitably happens is that translates to students because they know what it feels like and they can be in that spot to understand that I like this. I like this. I like being able to own my learning, right? So we should allow students to do that. Now, if they like the, that they own their learning, they like that part of it and they don't allow students to own their learning, now you can have a conversation with them, right? Because you can ask them, do you like it? Do you like being able to own your learning? And they say, yeah, I love it. Well, why can't kids get that, right? Kids should be able to get that. So let's make sure that we make that transition. So I honestly, when it comes to student achievement, when it comes to student experience, I always look at it through the lens of the adult because I'm in charge of the adults who are taking care of the kids. 
So how do we make sure that we do that? What are we doing for the adults in that space to make sure that they feel loved, supported, and safe, and they have an opportunity to really grow themselves? That's why this whole, our whole passion project process started with that, allowing staff members to own their learning from the start to the finish. Instead of at the end of the year, having them write a reflection to me that always sounded the same, because that's the way that we set it up. We do a street fair where they come in and they put a display of learning on a table for all their colleagues and then have conversations about what they learned throughout the course of the year. Well, what do you think happened in schools after that? What do you think happened in classrooms? The same thing happened with kids. All of a sudden, kids started having these learning walks. Kids started having street fairs. All of this stuff happened because we were allowing our adults to be in that spot where they could do it too. So I always start there because if we're, if, if we're going to put something upon our adults to take to the kids, it's got to be meaningful. It's got to be on time. They have to have a choice to participate in what that work looks like. And it translates. It's, it, it's what we model, right? And if we're going to model that, we're going to get that with our kids too. Great answer, Joe. It reminds me, well, first off, I think it helps leaders who are listening now to build mantras for themselves, to remind yourself to say what Joe just said, which is I'm in charge of the adults who are in charge of the kids, right? Mm -hmm. That we're not necessarily in charge of the kids because we have people who do that. So we need to mind our adults. And then this concept kept coming back to me about who our first customers are. I think a lot of administrators say, you know, I do this for kids, I do it for kids, but in many ways we need to do these things for teachers so that they can do them for the kids. And that first customer needs to be our teachers. Yeah. Everybody- we, we can still come around to it though. We, I mean, we still come back to the idea what's best for kids. If that's at the core of what we do, but we're in charge of taking care of the adults who are putting things in a position that are best, best for kids. And a lot of times I think schools are set up for adults, not kids. So let's be clear that, that we have to be understanding the idea that it's it's helping the adults serve students in the way that we want them to and with the best opportunity for them. 100%. And we intervene yep. when that's not happening. Correct. Um, uh, Joe, our listeners love resources. You've written several books. You are out and about. Um, you see a lot of, of resources about teaching, about learning, about leadership. What are your go-tos? What do you give out the most? What do you point to? Who should we follow? Oh, wow. Who should you follow? There's so many people that, I mean, so many people that, that, that to follow. When it comes to resources, I think we, we want to make sure that the resources are, they speak to you. Because essentially for me is, does the work speak to you internally and, and help you move forward? I, for me, like I just got done speaking in uh, Michigan. And as soon as I get, I'm in the road, I'm on the, in the car right now, but as soon as I get on the road, I'll call Tom Murray and I'll call Jimmy Costas and we'll go over what happened, how to go, what went well, what didn't go well. Did you connect on this piece or that piece? So I think you just got to have your core, like your crew, whatever that is, that you can bounce stuff off of and say, hey, what, what does this look like? What is that like? I mean, I think what, when, when I take a the look at the work that Tom does, it's really cool in terms of how he makes things personal, authentic for individuals in those spaces. I love the work that Jimmy does when it comes to coaching leaders. Right. So I have two different conversations with those guys, but I still connect with them all the time because I, I want, you know, I want to get their knowledge on on what happened. So I think, you know, you just got to have your crew, whatever that is. So if you wouldn't mind, can you just delve in a lot a little more? Were you friends with Jimmy before, like have a long relationship, Tom? Because what I also hear you saying 
there seems to be a little bit of a mentor relationship. There. Yeah, we've heard that countless times. But it also sounds like if you call them, it's an authentic conversation. It's not just, you know, telling you, I'm sure you did great, Joe. I'm sure you did great. Or, you know, maybe they are saying, look, you're, you're really not that good. I don't know. Yeah, but I agree. But from that, you have to have people that are that, as long as you have people who are honest with you, you're going to be in a better place that you can have real conversations with people about what's going on. You know, and I think that that's a, that's the biggest part of it is have people that are willing to tell you that, you know, you really kind of stunk today. That's what it was. And that's OK. You're going to be better tomorrow. But, you know, I'm, I'm here to help. I'm not here to just well, we're not talking about unicorns and rainbows every time we have a conversation. You know, I think the guys that I connect with, it's it's really about, you know, at them asking me questions about either things that are going well or things that are not going well and and asking real questions about that, not avoiding tough conversations because, you know, it's unicorns and rainbows. So I think you got to have people that have your back, but you also have to have people that are say, saying, hey, I, I don't know if that's going to work. I just need you to understand, like, I don't know if that's going to work. I can't wait to hear about it and see if it did, but I don't know if that's going to fly. Have you thought about this? Have you thought about the perspective of this group or that group? I mean, so I think you have to have that as well. Yeah, I think it's powerful. And I hope the right. listeners, it, it resonates with them. Again, circling back even to that intentionality that you mentioned. These are intentional conversations on performance to make a difference. Joe, one thing that your work definitely speaks to TJ and I is because you're still a practitioner. You're still out there. You're still fighting a fight. For you to make the greatest impact, for you to continue digging in and, and you're doing some wonderful things, and we truly appreciate you being with us today. You know, what, what do you see in your next three to five years? What does that look like for Joe Sanfilippo? Oh, man, I don't know. I, I think that as long as I'm – as long as I can be invested in what Fall Creek has to offer, like as long as I can offer the people of Fall Creek and the kids of Fall Creek and the community of something that they can be proud of, then I want to continue to lead there. I really do. I, I love every part about it. I love the kids. My, our staff is incredible. And I mean, everybody's got great staff. I understand that. But I, the way, the way that our people make connections with kids is, it's just, it's, it's inspiring every time I'm walking through a hallway and my, I've loved watching our administrative team grow. We've had, we've, we've got new leaders, you know, we've had some retirements. So we've had some new leaders move in and, um, and they've been just, it's been so wonderful to see the team grow. And if, as long as I can provide an opportunity for people to do their best work, then I want to continue to do that. And if I can do that while also really trying to connect with, people across the country and helping them lead, then I want to do that. But as long as I can get out and tell the story of Fall Creek, Wisconsin, I'm going to do that as many times as I can. There are people all over the country, all over the country that know what happens in a school district of 825 kids in Northwest Wisconsin. And they ask questions to the teachers and to the administrators and to the kids of that school district to ask about what they're doing. And if I can just amplify that voice, because 825 storytellers and 112 storytelling staff members are able to get out there and talk about the work that they do, that I'm going to do that every time. So I, if, they'll, if they'll keep me, I'll, I'd love to stick around. So we're, we're having a good time with it. Really good people.
It's a great message, Joe, and it's inspiring and hopefully inspiring those listeners now to amplify their voice and amplify what they're doing so we can become a community. We get away from that isolation and we can learn from one another and the great things Mm -hmm. that are happening in our schools across the country. This has been a phenomenal experience, Uh, live audience on the call listening. Anybody else who's listening out there, Joe, do you have a final message for for our group today, anything else that you would like to add? Yeah, I would tell them, I would tell, if I would give any piece of advice to any new leader, any leader that, that's taken on a building, anybody, anybody in leadership in any capacity, the thing that I think that it keeps coming back to me over and over is that when people don't know what you do, they make up what you do. And when they make up what you do, it's based on what happened to them 25 years ago when they didn't get a second chicken sandwich at lunch. They got put against the wall recess. They got a grade they didn't deserve or the coach didn't play it. And that's what they're going to talk about unless we figure out a way to change the conversation. So we tell our group, please understand that every interaction matters because every interaction could be the one that they talk about for the rest of their lives. And you don't have to love that, but you have to acknowledge that it's real. And if you acknowledge that that is real, you treat every single one of those conversations a little bit differently because you know and understand that 10, 15, 20 years from now, that might be the one thing that they talk about. And if that's your mindset, every time you walk into a conversation, you have a much better chance of being looked on favorably from a community standpoint. Thank you, Joe. Thank you for that. You heard it here on Focus Ed, Dr. Joe Sanfilippo. Everyone, how about a virtual round of applause from our live audience? Don't forget to follow the schoolhouse302.com for podcasts, blog posts, books to read, and more. We'll be back soon. And now a word from our sponsors. Hey, Joe, you know what leaders need these days? What's that, TJ? Sleep. A good night's rest, self-care. We've heard it over and over and over again from our guests on the podcast that you can't pour from an empty cup. Leaders need sleep. One of the number one ways you can replenish yourself and lead better is a good night's sleep. I hear you, but you know what? I'm so tired. I don't even like thinking about, you know, getting a good night's sleep. But, you know, do tell, how do we go about getting better sleep? Well, I think that's part of your problem is you need a better bed. It always starts with the bed. That's why we recommend Ghost Bed, our sponsor with 30,000 plus five-star reviews. Their patented sleep and cooling technology gets you to sleep faster and longer than any other bed. That's right. And their handcrafted mattresses come with a hundred and one night at home sleep trial and a two times the industry standard warranty. They're absolutely certain that their beds will work for you. And with free shipping within 24 hours of your purchase, it's fantastic uh, support from the company. And guess what? Just for being a listener at the Schoolhouse 302, you get 30% off with the use of our code SH302 at checkout. You go to ghostbed.com. You get some sleep so that you can lead better and grow faster. You use SH302 at checkout. 
Absolutely. And last thing, even if you don't need a bed, you're thinking, wow, I would love to try out Ghost Bed, but I just bought a bed. Refer someone else for a bed at ghostbed.com. You'll get a hundred bucks for helping someone else get a good night's rest. Wow. That's 30% off with SH302 code at ghostbed.com. A hundred bucks for your referral. If you get somebody else a good night's sleep, better sleep for you, better leadership, ghostbed.com. You can't beat it. Ghostbed.com.